Welcome to Red Pill University. I'm your host, Jody. And today we have a very special guest, the one and only Michael Sartain. How's it going, man? Doing good. Uh, how you been? Good. Uh, just really busy. You know, like uh, all of a sudden, because uh, I started doing these shows with Rollo, uh, it's opened me up to an entire universe of stuff. Because all I did was study evolutionary psychology. I wasn't like, it wasn't, I wasn't a pro, big, huge manosphere, red pill guy. I was just an evolutionary psychology guy. And I would have a bunch of hot girls on my podcast. And we just connected because of that. So it was actually going to be one of my first questions was like, what is your, your background? I know you're from the military. You and I are both mm -hmm. cut from the same cloth in that sense. Yeah. Uh, so I, uh, man, I, I was trying to think here. I, after high school, I went to UT Austin. Uh, and I joined, uh, you know, I was in a fraternity there. I was in a Christian fraternity there. And then at the end of my college uh, stay at UT, I went and uh, I started working at a nightclub as a bartender, not a bartender, as a, as a security guard, because it was just like an easy way for me to make money. I just stand there and just like throw guys out of a bar or stuff like that. And I learned a ton from doing that. But what happened was one of the bartenders, she was getting her PhD and she was paying for it by stripping at the strip club called Expose up on Congress in Austin. And so I went in there. She's like, hey, you should go and try out to be a DJ. And again, so just to give a background, I'm, I'm 45 years old. In 2000, and 2000, we had had a crash because MCI WorldCom and Enron had turned out to be you know, fraudulent. En Enron specifically had been fraudulent. There was a huge crash in the market. I had a degree in information technology and I couldn't find a job. So I went to go work at a strip club just as a joke, almost as a joke. I didn't even think I was going to do it. Um, and I go work there and I end up staying there for four years. Uh, and I, I actually watched 9-11 happen at the strip club. At the strip club is, is where a lot of people say they were red-pilled from reading the Rational Mail. I was red-pilled from working at a fucking strip club, bro. I mean, I'm telling you right now, like everything that you read in that book, when you see it with girls who are just in there all the time, you see the best of women and you see the worst of women when you were in there. But like none of the, none of the uncomfortable truths that what Disney, my church, and my mom were telling me weren't real. I was very aware of that from working in a gentleman's club. Like, it's very, very apparent when you do that. So I did that for uh, four years, and then I joined the military after I watched 9-11 happen, and I was in the military for seven years. I was a, a KC-135 instructor navigator, and then I did some counter-intel work near the end of my career uh, when, I, when I went to NIF. And then, so from doing those things, um, I, uh, you know, I, I learned a ton from that, especially, you know, being in the military for a long time, learning about leadership, which is what I actually teach in my course. My course is not a dating course. It actually is more of a leadership course than anything else. Uh, and then after that, I get out and um, I did this one uh, tour in. Yeah, it's my one of my rescue. I rescue animals. So uh, one, I did a tour in. Um, uh, I went to the 2007 NBA All-Star Game because I was friends with Kenny Smith, who was, uh, you know, he's on the show Inside the NBA. And when I was there with Kenny, when I was there with Kenny, uh, one of the things that I realized was uh, I wanted to live in Las Vegas because I was there for one week and it was the wildest week of my life. But like on a Wednesday night at Tangerine or a fucking Tuesday night at Jet, I was having more fun than any nightclub I'd ever been to in my entire life. And it was a Tuesday. And I just remember thinking, man, I, I, how much work in Dallas or Austin or when I later on when I lived in San Antonio or when I lived in Atlanta, how much work it, that went into like going out and having a good time and living in Las Vegas. I could not only have a good time, I could get all my friends into all these nightclubs for free. We could go see our favorite DJs for free. We could stand on stage with our favorite DJs. It's like, fuck this. I want to live here. And so when I eventually got out of the military, I moved part time Vegas, part time Los Angeles because I was acting for a while. And then I quit L.A. just because L.A. is a terrible place. Anybody who lives there know that, you, you know, deep down, it is a fucking terrible place. Uh, and they left. I left and I moved full time to Vegas. And um, 2015, I started throwing uh, bikini competitions at um, uh, what's it called? Uh, it's not there anymore. Hard Rock uh, the Rehab. Uh, and then from there, I also ended up hosting the Maxim Party. Um, if you look up the 2015 Maxim Party, I, I hosted that. I ended up interviewing Joe Jonas and a bunch of other people on the red carpet. And that just kind of like launched my career to hosting Babes in Toyland, Model Citizen Fund, Smash Global, all these like celebrity charity events. I started hosting them. And then I just, I, I kept getting questions from these guys because I would go out every night in Los Angeles. When I lived there like 2012 to 2014, I would go out every night and I would see like the RSD guys. They'd be out all the time. And I get questions from them about like, how is it that you're always surrounded by all these women? So I went back and explained all the stuff I learned when I was working at the Gentleman's Club. Like whenever I would go out with like a bunch of girls, we'd get in everywhere for free. No one would ever charge me for shit. And uh, I started using all those things that I had learned previously, uh, and and I I 
I, when I went out with the RSD guys all the time, I would just like introduce them to girls, get them into clubs. Uh, Owen Cook met his girlfriend through me. Like it was just stuff like that that would happen frequently. And um, and around 2019, I was oh, I, I didn't even go into this. 2013, I started becoming a stock option trader professionally, and so that's what I did for a living after I got out of the military. And I was doing really well. I worked for a, a small a financial firm. I still work for them as a quant. And I was doing quantitative analysis for them. And so I would do this the whole time. And then when the crash happened in the Corona crash happened in 2020, I was like triple lever to the outside. I lost everything. And afterwards, I realized, hey, I'll, I had been I'd been basically coaching since 2008. In 2008, I gave a speech in Atlanta. It was on it was to like a, a, a PUA forum or something like that. And I wasn't really into pickup, but like these guys wanted to hear me speak. So I started speaking from 2008. I, I went up on stage with several other companies. I'd given a bunch of speeches before, but never for money. And then in 20, like December 2019, you know, March of 2020, I said, okay, let's do this professionally. And when I started doing it professionally, that's when guys really started to buy it. This was something I, I learned from uh, several of, of the guys of my mentors right now. I learned that actually from uh, last yesterday, I interviewed Cold Hatter, uh, the guy who created the Thrive Convention. And he was telling me the same thing. It's like, once these guys actually buy in and start paying for your course, you'll find that they'll do anything to change their life. And so that made it a lot gratifying, very gratifying. And then, you know, next thing I know, we were doing um, 100 grand a month. Next thing I know, I had 300 clients. And then now I'm, I'm we're doing 400 grand a month and I've got 600 clients. And it was just it's just been growing exponentially like that because I just don't have any refunds. I don't have anybody who has bad reviews of my program. Uh, and so that's basically, I mean, that's, you know, a, a quick and dirty of, of uh, of what I've been doing. So full disclosure for those that are watching, I actually yeah. onboarded with the program today. Oh, incredible, man. So, so I, did you I, make Gashard? Sure Who'd you make? Gashard? Who, who's your onboarding yeah. coach? Yeah. Yeah. Gashard's awesome, man. So Gashard's nice. so funny. Yeah. Dude, wait, wait till you get up, Joe. Wait till you get on the fucking uh on the group calls and we do the jokes. We have to turn the call, we have to turn recordings off. Like they get so bad, bro. There's some people who are just in my program for the memes. We share the most horrific memes on the Discord server. It's just terrible. But yeah. It's just, it it's is just a it good is. time, man. Yeah. Well, with any luck, I'll meet him. I'll meet up with him on uh, the twenty eighth for Gasparilla. For what? Gasparilla. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. 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 For sure. Oh yeah, man. Um. So no, dude, it's exciting because um, from your standpoint, like you got one hundred and fourteen modules to go. Yeah. Have you started with modules? Uh, no, I just onboarded like maybe two hours ago. Okay, so it's uh, for you for, for for since you're due to the program, you're gonna have uh, in men of action, you're gonna have fifty modules. So it's gonna be ten for high status networking, ten for entrepreneurship, ten for leadership, and then ten for mindset, and then ten for finance. You don't have to do finance; finance is optional, and it's more like identifying scams and and identifying liquidity in certain markets and how markets work. It is not a get rich quick financial right. course. Then it goes 10 for social networking and, and then 10 for event planning and then 10 for evolutionary psychology and then um, and then 10 for uh, uh, what's it called um, critical thinking and then we do mindset. So it ends up being all together 114 modules It's 64 in the second course and 50 in the first and then there's Q&A's that are involved with it all together. It's 1100 hours. Dude, if I got hit by a bus tomorrow, you wouldn't be able to finish the program in a year. Like there's so much stuff that we put in. We put in 11 hours of content every uh, every week. 11 hours of new content every week. Yeah. I was not aware that it was always being added to like that. That's good. Yeah. So, so, so yeah, all the Monday, Sunday and Thursday calls are always added to added to the program. The, the Monday calls that we do for free, that's not officially part of the program, but you can, a lot of people use it in order to watch to see whether or not they want to join. And then the questions they come that we get from the clients, those go on access Vegas and the Michael Sartain podcast. So like as part of the joining the program, one of the things I require is the, the Dan Bilzerian interview and the Dr. David Buss interview. The Dr. David Buss above everyone else. I'm looking to interview him actually. Uh, yeah. So just got to reach out and make it happen. I would love to ha pick his brain about his yeah. background and a lot of the stuff you talked about in the interview. Yeah. So. Oh, so you've seen the interview. Yeah, yeah. That, 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 that one it. is absolutely terrific. Yeah, it's yeah. terrific, man. He's, that was pretty inspired. That actually made me think I could do this professionally was talking to Dr. Buss and then having him be like at the end, he was like, dude, this is very impressive. I want to come back because he, he was surprised that I'd read every single one of his books and then I had notes on all of them. So to me, no. that man is that man is unassailable. I think he's the most important psychologist on the planet. I think he's the most important PhD on the planet um, because the things that he has discovered, I think, have the potential at least to unlock uh, humanity's potential. Evolutionary psychology is not just understanding where we came from through natural selection. It also has the ability to unlock our uh, our unlimited potential. Very nice. Now, was psychology the degree you studied before you went to the military? Mm -mm. 
No, uh, I have a uh, business. I have a degree in uh, information technology with a minor in astrophysics. Ah, yeah. So how did you end up becoming a quant for, for, for the finance industry? It's a great question. So in 2013, 2014, so my dad passed away in 06. And, and so there was, the, I appreciate that, man. So, so I was managing money for my mom and my, some other family members. And we got into a situation where uh, I was just listening to people who had no idea what they were talking about. Like they would sit there and then talk about three red arrows up and three down arrows. And I would read these books about, oh, just look for this. The trend is your friend and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, dude, is there any science behind this? And so I lo started looking up scientific surveys. And I'll say this right now. It's probably going to piss off some of your, your viewers. A technical analysis is complete and total horseshit. Absolutely none of it works. It doesn't. Over the long run, during any type of any time of economic move that's outside of one standard deviation, technical analysis does not work. And so once I came to that realization, I was like, who are the guys who are doing this mathematically and making money? And I found out it was the guys who were the quants. And a lot of these guys are stock option sellers. Several of them came from the CBOE and uh, uh, in Chicago, they were former pit traders uh, mm -hmm. for, for stock options. So in 2013, I started following Tasty Trade. And then I actually flew out there. They had they flew me out there as like a rising star. And I got tutored to a certain extent and mentored by uh, Tony Batista and uh, Tom Sosnoff. You, sounds so, awesome. Have, yeah, have you so, watched so, his YouTube so, so. shows? Yeah, of course. I was on, I've been on a bunch of his YouTube shows. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he he's uh so he he interviewed me like three or four times and I would go out there and he and I text back and forth and he come whenever he comes to Vegas, I'm like the first dude he calls and we hang out and stuff like that. So around 2017, I became a feature of one of the follow traders on Tasty Trade. Uh and then uh, you know, I did that for a while. And uh, that that was they got me a job at uh, the small financial firm I work at now called uh, Continental Financial Capital. It was Tom Sosnoff who got me that job. So that, that's essentially how it happened. I just got I got good at following the rules. I'm not very creative when it comes to being a quant. I'm very much just a trader based on like I'm going to trade. My volume is based on the amount of volatility in the market at the time. Well, for one, it sounds like you've got your finger in a lot of different pies, but two. I can tell right off the top that you are creating content, not a consumer of content. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's one of the issues. Uh, well, a lot of times people ask me to go on people's shows and I'm like, I have no idea who they are. And like, how do you know? Like, aren't you in the red pill? How come you don't know about? I was like, I, I don't know who these people are. Like, the thing is for me, uh, to me, the superstars are Matt Ridley and, and Richard Dawkins. To me, the superstars are Steven Pinker and David Buss. To me, the superstars are Satoshi Kanazawa. Uh, Stephen Stewart Williams and Jeff and J Jeffrey Wilson. Th those to me are the superstars. Those to me are the incredible people. What other people watch on YouTube, they're looking for red meat. They're looking for this debate or whatever. And so it's it's just a different kind of content. It doesn't mean that they're wrong or they're bad. I do the stuff that Pearl, like you know, uh, Rolo and I disagree on Pearl. The stuff Pearl puts out there is so entertaining to me. But Pearl clearly has not read through the entire catalog of fucking evolutionary psychology books. And if she had, I think it would kind of elevate the the, the discourse a little bit. It's one of the things. Her and I are doing an interview, and, and, and that's one of the things I was going to recommend is that I'm, I got six books for you. Just read these, and I promise you it'll change your whole mindset. It seems um, like every third or fourth episode, she's learning something new. It's like this is that's common knowledge to the community. Yeah, I mean, but that's I fine. Thought, but, also, yeah. but, 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 but Joe, I, I'm going to tell you something. I think it's an act. I do think it's an act because I think she comes off as way more appetizing to young men in the red pill community when she doesn't know it all. Do you understand? When she's the damsel who's like learning things, Could yeah, be. for sure. Like I, I like the, listen. I, I I got to interview Paris Hilton one time for three hours. I sat, I sat in a room with her, talked to her for like three hours, and it was so blatantly obvious to me that this girl has an IQ well over 120, 130, super fucking smart. And when you, but when she, we go when we left the room, it was like, "Hi guys, what's going on? That's cool. Like that's who she was, but that's not who she is, bro." Do you she understand flies what I'm under saying? the radar. Exactly. And again, the best example of this I can possibly give you is a girl named Kindly Myers. Look up Kindly, K-I-N-D-L-Y. She this girl was an NCO in the US Army. This guy's this girl is smart as shit. She owns like seven houses. She has a bunch of horses that she raises, all this kind of stuff. And on her social media, she's like, I have big tits. Look at my blonde hair, guys. Hi there. Like that's who she is online. But like when I when she hangs out with me, I'm like asking her for financial advice because this girl is like loaded. She makes three, she makes several hundred grand a month on her only fans and she doesn't she's never even shown a nipple in her entire life she has one nft of her nude seven hundred thousand dollars she's she's put that's opening bid for it this woman is a fucking genius and so but when when she when we're out like she plays dumb and she like doesn't even want to come on interviews with me because she's like i don't want my audience to know that like i have a personality like i like the fact that they become this bimbo i make so much money off of it hmm. uh 
Going back, so usually one of the questions we like to ask is the red pill moment. You spoke about being in the clubs, in the uh, the, the gentlemen's club specifically. Was there yeah. any one specific moment that stands yeah. out that was like, holy shit? This super cute girl named Cassidy. She would come in. I was work daytime on the weekends. This is one girl named Cassidy came in. So a lot of the girls who would work day shift on weekends were really pretty, but a lot of them were single moms. That's why they were working day shift and not night shift, right? Now, obviously, Friday, Saturday night is the money-making night. I was the new DJ, so I was working Sunday day. That's the worst shift to have, right? Unless, until it's football season. Then it's a good shift. So, so this girl, Cassidy, came in, and she had a black eye. And I was like, what the fuck, man? You got to understand, man, I'm 22 years old. I'm looking at this girl with a black eye, and I'm, like, freaking out. She's, she's got a black eye. She's got these – she's real fucking pretty. For me, at 22, she was the hottest woman maybe I'd ever seen in my life. Today, it would be a little different. But at that time, that was like, oh, my God, I can't believe this. She got a black eye, and I'm watching all the girls – in the in the so I, one of the crazy things I'm in the locker room all the time. Remember, I was you know captain of my football team, and now I'm in the locker room with a bunch of strippers, and it's a very right. similar scenario. It's like a very believe it or not, it's like it's not a high testosterone scenario, but women who have like six pack abs and are very physical and pole dance tend to have higher testosterone than women who are like obese, right? right. And so th- some of these women had that very high libidos, very high sex drives, very fast metabolism. And some of them were very alpha. There were a lot of fights. If anybody's worked at a strip club, you know, there's lots of fights. These are different. These are not just a normal subset of women. These are like, some of these women tend to be some somewhat violent sometimes. And so we're in there and then Cassidy is sitting there talking. She has a black eye. She's like putting makeup over a black eye. And we're all just looking at her like, girl, what the fuck happened? And her man had, had punched her in the face, you know? And all the girls are like, no girl, don't do this. You know, it's like, you don't need him. You're too good for this and all this kind of stuff. And um, and I remember like thinking in my mind, I was like, and I did not say this because I mean this joke because I, I, I was friends with Cassidy, but I said this to like wake her up. I said, Cassidy, he only punches you because he loves you. And it got silent, bro. It got silent in the room. And I was like, Cassidy, I don't think he punched you because he loves you, but I think you were thinking that. And she's like, yeah, she's like, no one had ever said it out loud to her. This crazy fu- women who are abused. This is what they fucking think. Hmm. And that was the red pill moment. The red pill moment, Joe, is when she told us she was going to leave him. And then she came back and she had another fucking black eye. That was the red pill moment. That was the red pill. The red pill moment was all the words I had kept hearing. Well, obviously, she's a victim of abuse. And I'm not saying right. she, she doesn't deserve it. She absolutely did not deserve any of it. It was all the things I was being told were not lining up with the things I was seeing. The hottest girl at the strip club, she was married. She had a kid. Her name was Joy. I remember Joy was like so pretty. Joy absolutely 100% would have gone and posted Playboy and gotten it immediately. But she had had a kid when she was young and she was so she was dancing. Occasionally she would do my day shifts, but usually at night. And she was like kind of flirty with me. And then there was this other DJ who was a fucking hater. This guy hated me because all the girls liked me. I would, I would make them laugh. I was cool. I was, I was pretty blue pilled. Like I was kind of a simp, but like the girls loved me because I knew how to make people laugh. And this guy fucking hated me. And this guy was an asshole to me. And he would talk shit about me behind my back. And then all of a sudden, Joy comes in one time and blah, blah, blah. She goes, yeah, I left my husband. I was like, oh, my God, what happened? She goes, yeah, I started dating Ryan, the asshole DJ. And bro, Joe, the asshole DJ got like the dream girl. What, bro? The guy who's like been just talking shit and just being an asshole got the dream girl. Like, wait, this is not what Disney told me, man. This is not what my parents told me. This is like, this is so different from what I was learning. That was the second moment for me. But it was good because I was learning these lessons at 22, 23 years old. You know what I'm saying? And so that was that's essentially what happened. Yeah. And then the third one was, you know, it was this girl. She would flirt with me all the time, but she had a boyfriend. And I straight up told her, I was like, hey, listen, this is not appropriate. I'm not here just to be your friend to cry, you know, to have a shoulder to cry on. And that day she broke up with her boyfriend and started sleeping with me. I was like, oh, a boundary. I can put a bound. That's nobody taught me that one. Nobody. Uh-uh. No, I was like, let me let me read this book that I learned back in school. Nobody taught me that level. That lesson. Yeah. So I, I put a boundary around myself, and then all of a sudden, I got the reactions that I wanted. So I, I, I just want to came to the realization that I create the the reality that I want. I reward good behavior, and I punish bad behavior. And as long as I did that, I started creating the reality that I was looking for. And those were kind of the the three main moments from that. But it's not that those moments were the most important, but it's that that they happened first. You understand? When I'm young, when I'm in my early twenties, and I could never go back. I could never unsee the things that I saw. Right. That, that's why rule number one in men of action is we only listen to the words. We don't pay attention to people's actions. Yep. I was going to say that. That's, yeah. It's always good advice. Uh, one of the things you just said there tracks to like what we always talk about in the community where when they hear the stuff we talk about, the concepts, 
it pisses a lot of people off who are like, you know, in the matrix, the blue pill, or just general society who haven't really it pisses this people stuff off through. in the red pill too, man. It, oh, Joe, it pisses people off in the red pill too, because it's the black pill people. They don't like Joe, you're going to see this for yourself. You're going to come do MOA. You're going to come to some event. You're going to be surrounded by girls. You're going to take a picture with those girls. You're going to have a, a good time. And there's going to be people in your community. They're going to be like, bro, you're a sellout. What are you doing? It was better when you were like a loser suffering with us, not getting laid. Now you're getting laid. You went from not getting laid and now you're getting Fuck you, Joe. Why are you doing this? Why? No, looks money status, bro. Looks money status. You used women to create pre-selection and increase your status. Fuck you, Joe. That's what, watch. You'll see it happen, Joe. It's crazy to watch. Oh, no, I've been doing this for years. I'm, I'm, a, I'm oh, yeah, so the you, same cloth with Adam Lyons, those guys. I, oh, yeah, so you, so, so you, so I yeah, know. there you go. So, yeah. so you understand, like social circle game to black pill to black pill doesn't exist. In their mind, that's not even a thing because that would indicate that there's a way to increase my status. Well, there's no way to increase my status unless I get rich. That's the way they think. I'm either tall or rich or I have status because I'm famous for some reason. And when you do that, they get upset. The, the, the messages that I get from these dudes is crazy to me. It's like, you know that you all of your clients just pay to have girls hang out. And I'm like, I'll give you $10,000 if you can find one single girl we paid to hang out with us. Right? That's the thing that, that happens. But as far as the blue pill people, yeah, of course. I mean, what blue people, when you say blue pill, just it's just everybody else. It's blue just pill a, is your exactly. grandma. Blue yeah. pill is your pastor. Blue pill is just everybody else. They're not bad because they're blue pill. And by the way, blue pill builds society. Blue pill is yeah. like, a, a, you know, it's like the, some of the, I hate to say this term, but mass, some of the mass delusions that they believe help build society. Some people who are of a lower mindset, like, let me tell you something. You can say whatever you want about blue pill, but when I'm at fucking Wendy's at three o'clock in the morning, I'm hungry as shit and I want somebody to get me my hamburger. The guy behind the yeah. counter, thank you for getting me my hamburger, pimp. I'm, I'm sorry you didn't make a million dollars this year, but like somebody has to do that work. And so I, not everyone can be red pill. It's just not going to work like that. Some people, yeah. that's why another thing you're going to find out in MOA, we have inside of MOA and outside of MOA. Inside of MOA, we always tell the truth. It's uh, integrity first, service before self and excellence in all we do, right? That sounds familiar. Yeah. From Air Force Core Values. Yep. Correct. The Air Force Core Values. That's what we do. And then I will not lie, cheat, or steal, nor will I tolerate anyone amongst us to do. Those are the cadet score values, right? And so we we believe that inside of MOA, we tell the truth. Inside of MOA, we are a laboratory. Inside of MOA, we use the scientific process. Outside of MOA, people make decisions based on whether or not a motherfucker is Sagittarius or Libra. Outside of MOA, they talk about Mercury and retrograde. Outside of MOA, it's I feel, I feel, merch, merch, I feel. That's outside of MOA. Inside of MOA, no feel. Fuck your feelings. Inside of MOA, don't care what you love. Don't care about your passion. Don't care about any of that shit. Inside of MOA... Inside of MOA, all it is is we only we solve people's problems. You want to get wealthy, you want to get incredibly wealthy, solve someone's problems. So that's the way we look at it. I don't, I've never looked at this program as sort of like like one of the things I love about you know Fresh and Fit is that those guys, they're crusaders. They like they legitimately believe that they want to, they want to change the entire world, even men they've never met. For me, I don't have that belief. Um, I look at men of action much like an escape pod or like Noah's Ark. Like there's a few men who are going to get to learn this. And then the rest of them, it's, like, it's not that they don't get to learn it. They don't want to learn it. When they're presented with these uncomfortable truths, they get very angry, right? Because your attack will like LMS is not, by the way, LMS is not just black pill people. Like a lot of VIP hosts who live here in Las Vegas, they also preach that they also pray to LMS. I, I call LMS as a religion. Looks money status is a fucking religion joke. It's a religion that people pray. It's an idol people worship. Looks, money, status. It's you. All, we all have to be Tom Brady. We all have to be, or like it's only Tom Brady, or it's only fucking George Clooney, or it's only Brad Pitt that can get the hottest girls. That's the, what they think in their mind. Looks, money, status is an altar that you pray to. And when guys like me come around and we destroy that altar, again, I teach a program how to build your status without using any money whatsoever in order to do it. And I, I'm sorry, you do have to order a pizza for the girls at the photo shoot. Sorry, there's a little bit of money. But like when I teach guys to do that and then and then it breaks their entire paradigm. And the other thing is like when me, I don't have uh, I do have 100,000 followers. I used to not have 100,000 followers and I don't have a blue check mark. When I show up to the nightclub and I'm on stage at a nightclub in the VIP with the hottest girl you've ever seen in your life, all the VIP hosts and the rich guys in the club are like, how? How? He's not famous. How does he get that girl? There's nothing special about him. I spent all my life getting tailored suits, wearing a fucking paddock watch. I spent my entire life worshiping at the altar of looks, money, status. And in while worshiping me, I did not get the return. And Michael Sartain's up there with my dream girl wearing his fucking black t-shirt. Fuck that guy. That's the other thing that happens.
You see what I'm saying? Right. So LMS is it, it's a it's a it's a it's a religion that people pray to. And for me, I'm I'm a fucking heretic. I'm a heretic to that religion because I because when they go on my you, you, obviously you've seen the testimonials, right? You've seen guys four foot eleven surrounded by hot women, the, all the tropes, the, the fucking Indian guy surrounded by hot women, the Asian guy surrounded. When people see that, they're like, no, this can't be true. Those guys are all losers and they'll be losers forever. And when I break that mold, it's so uncomfortable for so many people because what happened? Why? Here's the reason why, Joe, because since 2003, you've been worshiping at the altar of pickup. Not you specifically, mm -hmm. but other guys have. They've been worshiping at the pickup altar. No, no, you're, you're not wrong. We all went through that phase. A lot yeah. of the guys in this community way back. That, that was yeah. a lot of how it started. And it just evolved from there. Mm -hmm. uh, but what I so we kind of got on a tangent, though. One of the things we were talking about was the uh, how the rest of the world views some of the stuff that we talk about. And one of the things you had said a minute ago was the uh, you're going to reward for good behavior and then pull attention away for bad behavior. Mm hmm. They hear this and they get offended. Like, oh, women are just dogs. You're going to treat them like pep animals. Like, you're missing. They're missing the forest for the trees. But from yeah, a psychological they, they don't, perspective, yeah, they, why yeah. do they get pissed off? I don't understand. Yes. Never made any so sense don't. So, so one of the things about MOA that you're going to learn, Joe, is that this is not a dating course. Everything we talk about, it, how to win friends and influence people, is not how to win women and influence women. That's not what the title right. of the book is. It's how to win friends and influence people. So the thing is, when I say I, I punish good behavior and I punish bad behavior and I reward good behavior, that's also what I do in my business. That's also what I do with family members. Like I have some family members, there's just some discussions I don't talk about. I also do yeah. that with my relationships. I also do that with my clients. There's some I punish. I have one client. He keeps coming on the calls. He's the dude who's been coming on the calls for two years. And he this guy's skinny as a fucking rail with big old eyes. And like he, he gets all sensitive all the time. And I'm like, hey, man, how old are you? He goes, oh, I'm 30. And I go... Bro, will you please get your fucking testosterone and estrogen levels checked? It is so obvious to me, Joe, that this guy has hypogonadism. Like, it's so, I don't know what you're talking about, Michael. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why these girls act this way. Bro, please, will you get your levels checked? He comes back the next week with another, like, hyper neurotic question about worrying about what other people think about him. And I was like, all right, cool. Very cool. But before we do that, what are your levels? Oh, I'll get them checked next week. He does this three or four times. So, you know what I did, Joe? And every and I and I said, hey guys, put a one in the chat. There's a hundred of us on the call. Put a one in the chat if you agree with me. Uh, I'm not going to say his name, but person, you're not allowed to ask another question about anything until you get your levels checked, bro. The look, everyone, one, 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 because we were holding him accountable, bro. I didn't. And I don't care if this guy takes TRT. What I do care is that he needs to at least understand that his behavior is not necessarily normal. This incredible, overly emotional, feeling based neurotic behavior tends to come when men have higher levels of esterol and low levels of testosterone. And so these are things that are easily fixable. He chooses to not fix them and believes that his reality is the only reality. Solipsism. Like it's, 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 he's becoming feminine by not having this, this one thing checked. So I punished bad behavior. I said, bro, you're not going to ask any more questions on these calls until you get into, you tell us what your levels are. And it made him face this really difficult reality because he might he come he might come to the reality of like hey actually this behavior that I have is neurochemical or it has to, it's hormonal and it's not real. Do you understand what I'm saying? Oh, so yeah. that, that that that's one of the examples. We have several examples like that where I have one one client. He just keeps trying to read poetry. He's like he wants he's in love with poetry, and I'm like okay cool man. I want you to read your poetry. You got to show me a million dollars in your bank account. You got to show me. I need to see a bench press max. I need to see you throwing two seventy five up on a bench press. Uh, and then I also need to see you fix your social media. Once you do that, let's go ahead and read all your fucking poetry. And like, once I give him like a tangible goals to like go after, by the way, it's, he's never going to bench 275 and he's not going to have a millions bank account. I don't really care if he actually does. That's not the point. The point is this guy kept living in this fantasy world where I'm going to solve my own problem and live my dreams. And I'm like, you're not going to get wealthy solving your problems. You're going to get wealthy solving other people's problems. Like Justin Waller says, become valuable to other men. Right. So that's very important. And so you explain that to people and, and, and it's hard for them to, to, to grasp. One other thing I just want to bring this up, the, the, con, the concept of player versus player is so real. But when I when we started doing this and we started getting kind of popular, I started noticing all these other little, like social circle gurus popping up out of nowhere. And these guys were like they, they had no receipts, like they were never with girls. They were never throwing events. They were never doing any of this stuff. Right. And I've been doing this since 2008. And I watched them do this. And I don't mind, like, open your own program. If you can get people to buy your program, good for you. That's, I'm, not, I'm not, never going to denigrate that. But the problem was, what was happening was 
some of these guys were like attacking me and coming after me. And I was having a conversation with my girlfriend last night. She got off work. You know, she works at, she's a bartender. She gets off work and then she just, she has all the stuff that she wants to talk about. And I have to study for my next podcast. And I had this conversation with her. And what I, one thing I was saying is like, babe, I do, I love talking to you. And I appreciate the fact that you have this time to talk to me, but I don't think that you appreciate the fact that every day someone wants to take what I have. Nobody's trying to take what you have. If you lost your job as a bartender, you're still, you're still a perfect 10. You're still going to get a job somewhere else. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. If I, if I, me as a man, if somebody steals my girl, like you saw the whole thing with Kanye West and Kim, where you know, Kim was cheating on Kanye West with uh, Chris Paul. I don't know if you saw this thing. It's really funny. It's, I thought it was Pete Davidson. A man, no, no, Pete. Or they had already broken up. They'd already broken up. When she I don't follow this stuff. So yeah, it, does, it, does, yeah. it doesn't matter. If a dude, if we get cheated on, we lose status. You understand? Oh, yeah. If a woman gets cheated on, she doesn't. This is a real hard thing for, for, for this is a, a big red pill moment for me too. When women, if a woman is a perfect 10 and she gets cheated on her by, by her boyfriend, the exact same number of dudes want to date her afterwards. It doesn't change her status at all. When a guy gets, you know, I fucked your bitch in some Gucci flip flops. When a dude, his girl cheats on him, like the guy from bodybuilder.com who got hit, you know, his girl cheated on him with, with Dan Bilzerian, his status lowers. Isn't that, wasn't that Ty Lopez that owned it? No, before that. I know who you're oh. talking about. Yeah, I think Ty Lopez was part owner, but I can't Ty remember. Lopez's girlfriend did not have sex with Dan Bilzerian. Somebody else did. Doesn't matter. Somebody Immaterial else. story. Yeah. Immaterial. Yeah, I get your point, though. It's, you're yeah, right. But, but, so, yeah. so as a woman, her man, her status stays within inside of her. Does that make sense? If you if, yeah. I, if I have a bar of gold and I talk shit about the bar of gold and I embarrass the bar of gold, it's still a bar of gold. Its value is intrinsic. If I have yeah. a beautiful woman, her value is intrinsic. Me as a man, I, I had to explain this to her. Me as a man, every day is player versus player. Every day somebody, there's a dude out here legitimately wants me dead. He wants to kill me. Like this guy, has, has, he's, tried, he's not legitimately gone out of his way, but he has said to several people, he wants me to die. There are people who want me dead. There are man. people who want to take my business. There's people who want to take my girl. There's people who want to take my money. And there's people who want to ruin my status. I was like, babe, you don't have this pressure that you have to deal with every day. And I'm not, I'm not demeaning your experience, but like, you need to understand that I got to get off the phone because I have to work so that we can, so I can maintain this thing that I've built. You see what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. And she, a lot of times for them, she did, for her, she didn't grasp that. She just thought I have all this free time. Let's just talk all the time. And I'm like, well, when I'm talking to you, am I listening to a podcast on how to make another million dollars? I'm not. So you know what I want is why don't you come lay next to me? Let's just be quiet. Let's be silent together. And then I need to learn. Every Tommy day said something uh, a while back on Timcast, the one they walked off the show. He yeah. said he stopped maturing when he got famous and rich about 24. Mm -hmm. My life experience is that the same happens to women when they get hot. As soon as they oh, grow tits and they, it's the world changes. I'm not saying they stop maturing, but Joe, Joe I got a better one for you. Advance the same way we do. Joe, I got a better one for you. Myron said something that I think was so profound. He goes, women do not actually mature until the men stop giving them attention. I've been saying it for a while now. It's the same, same, like same concept. Uh, we did a thing. I don't, years you, may, ago. you don't, you don't mature as a man until you stop getting that guaranteed NBA contract. <laughs> you know, that's that's essentially what's going. on. This is Willie. This is my my most recent rescue right here. He's not, he's a twenty pound short haired black cat. Yeah. Um. Anyway, yeah, so the gist of it's so, the same. It's it's the the same concept that we live in a different world from, especially really attractive women. That's what we talked about before. You know, like life on easy mode. Yeah. It's just, that's the reality. They have their own issues. We have our issues. It's different. Yeah. But that's the thing. Like that, like someone is legitimately out to get me. This is not me being like, I can, I, and by the way, I didn't, I, I showed her the fat kid in fucking Brazil. We all know his name. I'm not going to say his name out loud, but he, he fucking, he's right. He's making videos about me. And I show my girl, I was like, do you understand? They're legitimately out to get me, right? There's people who legitimately do not want me to su succeed. And I don't, you don't have the same thing to deal with. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. So that, uh, that was one of the things, the player versus player concept yeah. is just so fucking huge, man. It really is one of the best things. So for women, they're just like, you know, the idea of like, we have to create our value and they have, and they don't have to create their value. That's one. And they have to preserve their value. But the other concept is that when, when I get embarrassed, I lose value. When she gets embarrassed, she doesn't. This is also another reason why, like, again, I'm not, I'm not recommending men cheat, but when men cheat, it doesn't lower a woman's value. It doesn't. It just does it. But when women cheat, it humiliates men to their friends. Dude, I've seen dudes before they get cheated on and the guy friends are like, like touching their like, yell, bro. It's all, did you watch the playoff game between the Cowboys and the, um, 
in the uh in Buccaneers. the Buccaneers. Yeah. yeah. Okay. There's a C, there's yeah. this thing where C D Lamb comes up to David uh to to um uh what's the kicker's name? Uh Maher, David Maher, Brett Maher. He comes up to Brett Maher, he goes, Yo, man, you bailed us out a bunch of times. And Brett Maher, you remember he missed four extra points in a row. So he's like freaking like his eyes are big and he's freaking out. Every time the guys come up and touch him on the shoulder, in the, in his mind, he's thinking, You think I'm a loser, 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 you think as a man, he's losing status by by fucking up. As a woman, you don't though. Do you see what I'm saying? Right. And so that's a really hard thing. And I try to explain that to that that actually women can seem to grasp that concept more than anything else. It's like you don't lose your value when you get dunked on. We lose our value when we get dunked on. So my life is about preserving and building that value that I have. You see what I'm saying? So that that's that's just one of the concepts that I that I can't. And it is a double standard. It is, but that that's just the way the world works. Yeah, uh, I use. Not everybody gets to be an astronaut. Point being, life ain't fair. Just you got to roll with the punches. That's just the that's just the way the world works. Yeah. Um. So you've done a lot of interviews. Do you have a favorite one? That comes to mind, you know, uh, besides this Bro, one, favorite yeah. interview and why go on my interviews. Uh, oh, the ones that where I do the interview, um, just the favorite Dr. one that you've made could have been one you were a uh, guest, maybe okay. it's one that you host. So, the one that I host, it's Dr. Bus. That's not a question, it's easily Dr. Bus. Uh, secondly, it's it's going to be one that you guys never thought about, it's going to be Trevor Backmire, or it's going to be it's going to be one that I did with like Cole Gordon. It's the ones that have the fewest views. The one I did with TC Fleming, I love. The ones that have like no views are some of my favorite podcasts. Because what there's was no, it about it like, that, uh, that, you, that you enjoyed? Because so there's much. just a level of honesty and, and humor in those podcasts that are better than anyone. And then my favorite podcast where I was the guest, it's funny. It's the ones that don't have huge views. It's, it's Green Room Radio and fucking Purple Pill. Those are like my favorite at the interviews that I've ever done. And I'm like, interviewing him uh, next week, actually. Who? Purple pill. Purple, purple pill. Yeah, yep. yeah. Sergio is great. It's the way. If you guys go in my uh, on my YouTube channel, there's a there's a, a playlist called interviews, and just look at some of the ones that are near the bottom. Those are some of my favorite interviews that I've ever done. Like because the guys are like, uh, dude, so many people, uh, so many people started following me because of a guy named Will Chu. He he's at uh, he's he lives in Baltimore. He's this Asian dude, and this guy has like maybe 200 subscribers and this video got like no views but so many people and i was like that's the reason why i do every possible interview that i can and this guy was like he was filming it on this terrible camera and like i still to this day have people tell me about this is the first interview i ever did it's maybe 13 maybe 11 12 years ago and and people still talk to me about it and so that's the reason why i did it and then the also the one i did with playing with fire i had no idea that that many people watched playing with fire i didn't know who playing with fire was i didn't know who alex was hmm. um and so uh and one of the things is, you know, Alex obviously was really close with the fat, kill and fat kid in Brazil, and now they're not cool anymore, which is why, like, I, I do actually want to do another show with Alex here pretty soon. But, uh, you know, it's just one it's just one of these situations where, um, uh, you know, if you do all the shows that you can, and then you just try to come up with cool stuff. But the one, the dude, the Green Room Radio one was so good because it was like a traditional Howard Stern kind of radio interview that they were doing and everyone was just like busting their ass, just laughing their ass off. I love the camera angles. I love the whole setup. And those, the, if you go look on their channel, their interviews get like 30 views, 50 views. My interview got like, I think probably 2000 views. But the, but it was like one of these situations where the some of the interviews I do with the, like the least popular channels are like my favorite interviews of all. So one of the things we do over in our fraternity, we created a nonprofit. It's kind of similar to what you guys are doing. It's men's mm -hmm. mentoring. Again, nonprofit. We're not making any money doing it. This is all volunteer work. One of the big ones is that we run through, you know, what is your mission? What is your purpose? So yeah. the example is, you know, life's a journey, that destination you're going towards when you're 95 years old, you're on your deathbed, you're looking back over your life. What would you say is the one thing that you are absolutely content with that you, that you tried or accomplished? or regretting that you never even attempted mm. what would that be that one thing for you so so for, for me I, I think i would start i would go back one step and just come to the realization that no matter what i do on my deathbed people will mourn me for about a week and then they'll move on my great my grandfather aaron quintilla sartain he was the dean of the business school at southern methodist university he had a phd in child psychology he was such an incredible man, but we don't think about him every day. I, I remember him. I try to honor him, but like one of the situations, and he definitely left a mark in the world, but the reality of the situation is when he died and when I died, the world's still going to keep going on, right? So that's the first thing. When you understand that, Joe, it's liberating. The, understand, the understanding that like 
you can try as hard as you want to really make a mark on the world, like Tesla, right? Think about Nikola Tesla made this incredible mark on the world. And people are like, oh, there's a car company named after incredible. Can you name three other facts about Nikola Tesla? No, no, you, you know, alternating current uh, electricity. Like there's not, there's not very many that most people know. The reality is we just move on with our lives and people just don't care about it. So when you, when you come to the realization that nobody really cares, it actually should liberate you to say, why don't I do what I want to do and stop worrying about what other people think and then try to make a change that way. Does that make sense? That like, right. I will become wealthy from solving other people's problems, but in the end, I'm going to do what I want to do because, because in, because when people go and they screw up, I've said this before, like, I think what Kanye said on, um, Alex Jones's show was despicable, but I promise you in three or four years, he'll come out with a new album and he'll be like, yeah, I was off my medication. I love the Jews. Now he'll say that everyone will forgive him. And it's like, Kanye, Kanye, it'll just go right back to the way it was yep. because nobody cares about what you do. No one, no one pays the price for anything they do. No one, no one. And in this today's society, Jordan Belfort become he spends 15 months in prison for, you know, security. He, came out richer. he, come at, he comes out wealthier at the other yeah. end. You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, Bruce Jenner turns into Caitlyn Jenner, kills someone in vehicular manslaughter and gets woman of the year four months later. The, the you know, President Trump, he, he fucks a porn star while his wife is president and then gets elected to become president. Like we don't we don't make people suffer the consequences for their actions ever. Uh, for anything that they do it's, uh, logan paul he goes into a forest there's a body hanging there he gets canceled from the the video gets pulled down he gets canceled from youtube he does one fight with ksi all forgiven everything you intent you entertained us bro you're everything's forgiven we're all back to square one so nobody cares and so when you come to that realization it's so liberating it's like hey dude i could just do like try it sometime just walk into a mall and go blah, 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 blah. people will look at you for like one second no one will kick you out no one will, it won't change anyone's life. No one's going to go home and be like, yeah, man, somebody was making strange noises at the mall. No one will remember you. When you come to the realization of how truly unimportant you are, it is one of the most relevant, is one of the most, uh, one of the most uh, liberating things that you can possibly imagine. So now if you want to become relevant, then you have to, you get to choose the way that you do it. So that's the first thing. The second thing is now, what is the mark I want to leave? I need to, I need to come to the realization that I'll leave that mark and still no one will remember me. It's still fine. Uh, Conrad Hilton created this thing called Three Square here in Las Vegas, which is a, it's a huge uh, food pantry. And they fed thousands and thousands of people. They collect food up at, uh, it's up on Pecos Road up in here in North Vegas. And uh, when, you, when you go up there and you, you see all the people that they've helped, that's the thing that he's going to do. Like Conrad Hilton's been dead for a long time, but it's still that, that legacy that he's left behind is all the people that he's fed. But those people don't need to remember him. And I, that's the thing I'm going to tell you guys. Like, I, I don't really care that much about being remembered, but I do care about the animals I rescue and the people who get fed and the, the domestic abuse shelter that I help and the trafficking that I try to stop. That's the thing that you should focus on. And so if you can do that in the end and realize that you kind of let the, left the world net net more positive, I think that's on your deathbed, that's what you should be happy and, and satisfied with. But don't come to this realization that don't, don't try to do this thing. Like you chase this, this, uh, the 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 macomb school of business at, at ut austin right or the cox school of business at at uh at fucking uh southern methodist university the people late left all this money so people would remember their names but it doesn't really make that big of a difference just come like it's it's almost comes from like the power of now just release just coming to the or uh resignation or acceptance of the reality of the fact that like there's 8 billion people on this planet and most of them don't care about you and 99.9% .9 of them will never know who you are. Like right. the most famous person in the world, what's it say, Cristiano Ronaldo maybe? I mean, we could throw The Rock, I don't know who it is. Kylie Jenner has 378 million followers on Instagram, whatever. The, the reality of the situation is you didn't think about her today and she's the most famous person in the world. So what the fuck are you to anyone? You're no one. And when you like, don't, don't say that and just be depressed Say that and be like, wow, that li that's liberated. That means I can, I'm truly, truly free. I have some friends of mine who are really famous. They're not free. They're famous. They're rich. They have a great lifestyle and they wouldn't give it up, but they're not free. They can't just go around and do anything they want. And everything they do gets looked through by a microscope. You understand? Oh, yeah. Every, like, you understand? You, you, when you see with Bulzarian, he's always with these really hot girls. Well, Dan has some, like, he has some pressure to what, whichever girl is his next girlfriend, she has to be perfect. 
Like Dan can't like slip up. He can't be like, well, you know, I don't want to work that hard. This time I'm just going to date an eight. He can't do that. He's under this pressure all the time to be in a private. He can never fly commercial. He can never eat normal food. He can never date a normal girl. He can never just go to the store. He can never just go to dinner without security. He always has to live life at a 10. That's a lot of, I'm not, trust me, most of us would trade places with him. But the, the reality of the situation, he has to live his entire life as a 10. Sometimes I just want to sit here and watch fucking football with my homies and eat a pizza. You know, that's why that's all I want to do. I just want to live a. I want to live life at a six. Ever some sometimes, you know what I'm saying? So right. that's that's true freedom. In that, while I have a cool business, the reality is nobody really cares what I do. No, my mom and my girlfriend, my brother, nobody really cares what I do, and so that should be liberating to you. Well, the reason we go through that drill is it's all about kind of like figuring out what your purpose is in a sense, so you can stay on track and be driven and and not oh, let the it. world yeah that, but. Your purpose, your mission, the journey that you're going on in life, we yeah. reverse engineer it using waypoints. Well, if you're not hitting your goals, your waypoints, you're never going to achieve whatever you're, you're trying to accomplish. That's sure. the whole purpose of that. Yeah, yeah. And I see a lot of that in what you do and others uh, in this community. And it's, it's a good thing. Not a lot of people, I think, have really thought through. I was in an event last night, just talking to men and women. And like you get that, like, holy shit, I've never thought of that before. Like, what is what are you doing with your life, basically, is what it comes down to. If you don't know where you're going, then it's like you're just you're gonna be pushed around by society, by life, by the world. Yeah. You're at the whims of of everybody around you. Yeah, it's hard uh, to have I, frame in that sense of of purpose of being driven. Yeah, it's just I don't want to be that kind of guy where I'm just eh, but just rolling with the punches. Mm. Yeah, what I would recommend for people to do is figure out a problem to solve. That became my purpose. What what I saw was in the in the. Uh, community for self men self-help there was like these these guys who like they never took action uh they would go to a tony robbins seminar and then at the end of the tony robbins seminar they'd be crying they'd hug their buddy that they went to the seminar with oh my god that was so incredible i just released so much trauma and then they'd go right back to their mom's basement so no action was taken so i was like okay those guys need to become action takers right and then i looked in the pickup community and i was like okay these guys are weird as shit they have no leadership ability. They can't speak to somebody, look them in the eye because social media has screwed and their iPhones have screwed up their ability to communicate. Okay, these guys need leadership skills. So what about a program where I teach self-help guys how to take action and I teach pickup guys leadership skills so they can take and and to have a bunch of women in your life to help you meet other women. What if I did that? And so that's the program I created. My mission, my purpose, my why was the, the problem that I saw saw in this industry that I was surrounded by all the time. And because of that, that's why we were successful. I'm really not a big person of, of follow your passion. I'm a big person of solve a problem. Because when you go back, it's like, yeah, you know what? Jeff Bezos was sitting there one day. It's like, I want people to swipe on my app and buy, buy shoes and diapers. That's my passion. No, it wasn't. It wasn't his passion. He saw, he saw a problem and he solved the problem. That was it. I don't believe that... Um, you know, when Elon Musk was creating PayPal, he was like, you know what? I want people to be able to transact money easily and then and, and pay us a fee. That's my passion. That wakes me up in the morning. I feel so. No, he was just trying to make some money. He saw a problem and he tried to solve it, which was later crypto tried to solve the problem further than what PayPal did right before he left PayPal. If you look at some of these guys, Wayne Huizinga used to own waste management. Wayne Huizinga didn't wake up one morning and be like, you know what? I really feel this passion for cleaning up people's diapers and feces. I'm super excited to go through sewage. No, he didn't. That wasn't his passion. These people became wealthy from not following their passion. They became wealthy from solving someone else's problem. And that's what I do. That's the only thing I recommend. You're like, if you're a construction worker, there's one thing I love listening to um, Justin Wait. Waller talk about this. He had, oh. he had, if he had a discussion where he had, he had a choice between uh, a guy with multiple master's degrees or a guy who's like a very skilled plumber, he's always going to take the plumber. He's always going to take the Not where I thought you were going with that. I, was, I thought yeah. you were going to invoke he, some uh, Mike Rowe on us here. No, he he want, he always wants the tradesman, the tradesman, because the tradesman solves a problem. The tradesman does not live in theory. Theory is fine. That's why I, I love theory. Theory is such, takes you into such incredible places, and you can create incredible discoveries through theory. The problem is... Action has to lead theory. One, one thing people do is like, I'm going to go theory, 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 theory. And then when, I'm, when I have 100 points of theory, then I'm going to take action. No, action and theory must coincide. They must coincide. If they do not coincide, then it becomes all theory because theory you can do from your bed in your underwear, what, like on your phone. You can study theory. Action, you have to you know, 
taper your beard, get in the gym, wear clothes that fit, go to the club, talk to the girl. That's action. Action is harder. Action causes all sorts of dopamine and cortisol uh, uh, hormones to go through your body, neurochemicals and hormones to go through your body. It causes uncomfortable situations. Action is uncomfortable. Whenever I tell someone to do something that makes them um, successful, it's always going to be uncomfortable, right? Whenever I tell, like I had one client, all he did was leg day. This guy was a soccer player. So he did leg day and I, and his, his arms were like stringy arms. And I was like, dude, like, I, I appreciate that you do leg day and that's really cool. But like girls don't see your quads when you go up and talk to them. Like, let's work a little bit on your upper body. He goes, no, I, that doesn't make me feel comfortable. And I was just like blown away. I was like, it doesn't make you feel comfortable. Of course. If you want to be successful with with women, of course, why wouldn't you do the thing that makes you feel uncomfortable? If if it felt comfortable, then everyone would do it. That's the reason why it fucking feels uncomfortable. By definition, if I tell you something to do that leads to success, it's going to feel uncomfortable. But in order for you to do that thing, what are you doing? You're taking action. You're leaving the little the the, the cocoon and the warm blanket of theory behind, and you're actually taking action. And for a lot of people, that's very scary. For me, I'm, I was, you know, whenever I learn something theoretical, I try to teach it to someone else and I try to take, I try to implement it immediately. And when you do that, those are the people who are hyper, hyper successful. What you're going to find is that only makes up about 14% of people. The other uh, 16% of people, that, that's one standard deviation. About 16% of people are those action takers and the other 84% of people aren't. Hmm. I mean, you can only have so many leaders. If everybody's leading, then nobody would be. It'd just be chaos. It's weird how the Pareto principle and, and the bell curve just kind of flushes out in all avenues of life. Yeah, it does. The bell curve for everything. Yeah. Um, for I sure. wrote an article about that years ago, the bell curve of, you know what, I'll show you later. It's, I'll throw it in the description. How about that? Yeah, for sure. It was, yeah. Um, the goals for the future. Um, I want at least 50 of my clients to work for MOA. Right now, I think we're at 20 something. I want the entire company to be staffed by former clients. Um, they are the best salespeople. They are the best testimonials. Uh, Gishard has been with me since the beginning, the guy who's doing the onboarding with you. Uh, I want for guys to come into the company, and then I want to find ways for you guys to make money working for us. I want to reward you for being with us, or I want to reward you for being loyal to us. Uh, we have a, an affiliate program. Uh, we not, we're hiring guys to do sales. Obviously, if you're a high-ticket salesperson, I want you to come. You know, you get full access to the program. You get full access to me. I want to build a structure, an eco-structure in my company that that's going to make it robust and anti-fragile. And so in order for us to do that, I want to build the company based on people who understand the culture. The culture is, you know, it's it's very clear. It's like, we don't just talk about MOA. We do MOA, Joe. That's what's one of the things you're going to understand about this company is that I'm going to be teaching you a, a lesson about high status networking, and then I'm going to have some huge mogul come on the podcast. So I'm going to do the networking while teaching the networking. Does that make sense? Yep. You know, like that's something that makes this program because it's called men of action. It's not called men of theory. And so that that's one of the things that I, I want. And then I want to instill in the clients and uh, all the guys who are in our ecostructure, this, this idea of leadership, accountability, integrity, service before self like the i want to instill this this belief in them additionally i want the networking events that we do to be built around philanthropy almost always now obviously the bikini competitions are not usually built around philanthropy i we have done bikini competitions that were charities before but the ones that were like i'm hosting uh, the bikini competition at wet republic is the biggest one in the world it's for one hundred thirty thousand dollars, and i'm the host and recruiter for that um, so when I do that one, I want that to be, um, I want everyone to feel a level of integrity. I want everyone to have buy-in. One of the things I do is I get all the guys to come to the bikini competition and everyone needs to recruit girls to compete. And we go there and it's a fucking blast, dude. We have such an incredible time. Um, so that's kind of the ethos I want is teamwork, accountability. I want to, people to create win-win situations. And I want these things to be built around philanthropy. Philanthropy like Model Citizen Fund, Smash Global, Babes in Toyland, Babes and Ballers. These are philanthropic influencer events that we help throw. I, I use attractive women in order to raise money for different charities like domestic abuse, animal rescue. Uh, we do one for human trafficking. We do one for underprivileged children. And we do one for uh, for troops overseas. And so th those are the kind of things that we do. Uh, also disabled veterans. We, we do these charity events for those individuals. Um, and we, we use our skills as networkers in order to be able to pull that off. So uh, one of the things that we say all the time in MOA is networking is an evolutionary adaptation. 
Networking is not some cool trick that you learned in a book by Dale Carnegie. Networking is actually something that your ancestors used in order to build tribes and to protect those tribes through networking. What actual status comes from is not how big your muscles are. That is part, part of it. That does make you useful. But where actual your actual status is built from who aligns with you and those people's resources and those people's trust, the, the alignment from those people, the co-signing from those people, the testimonials from those people is where the actual status comes from. That status is what your ancestors used in order to build humanity and to build society. And so we need to use that evolutionary adaptation to build those things for ourselves. Um, we're coming up on one hour here. Uh, how can people find you? Man, just go to uh, like the, the best thing that I would. Okay. If you want to check out the program, go to MOAMentoring.com. I would love to have you guys go in there. There's 55 zero testimonials that are on there. Go through the testimonials. But here's what I want you to do because a lot of people have this issue. The skepticism. I, I love skepticism because when a skeptic joins my program, I know he's fully bought in. Okay. What I want people to do is take everything that I say, like for instance, me hosting the Maxim party, me getting like Bulzarian on my podcast, all these different things that I talk about you know, in my program, I want you to go through my Instagram and I want you to check me. I want you to go in there and be like, what he said wasn't true. And then go try to find the evidence to prove your point. You're going to find the opposite. Then I want you to go on moamentoring.com and I want you to listen to those testimonials with your skepticism. And at the end of that, once you've listened to 50 testimonials and see that we have 600 clients, then I want you to like take that skepticism and honestly assess whether or not what you believe is true or false. Does that make sense? Now, if you coming into this with a super open mind, join MOA mentoring. Like if you want to use logic or reason, be like, why did 600 people join his program and he has like no refunds? Why is that? Why is it nobody has anything bad to say? No, no granted. I had one client um, who actually was supporting Russia's invasion of Ukraine. <laughs> I'm not kidding. And yes, I probably shouldn't even be saying this. And he was offended that I kept making jokes about Vladimir Putin and I refunded him. Yes, that did happen. So there, there was, he brought, and by the way, at the end, he was like, Hey man, good luck to you. He had nothing bad to say about the program. That was one case where I it was a little bit out of bounds for me. I was like, bro, really? Like you really are for this? Uh, that was one case where it was a little bit out of bounds for me. We had another client and I, I don't mean to denigrate him, but I believe that he had some closeted sexual preferences that he was hiding for himself and he was not getting what he needed out of the program. I'm not going to go too far into that. We let him go. He was also snitching on one of the other clients. Other than that, we don't have any, like no. That's out of six hundred guys, we had like two where we've had an issue. Yeah. Um, but I, again, also there's full transparency. I had to put one of my animals down. That's something we talk about on the show. When guys go through horrible breakups, we turn the recording off and we talk about it on in the program. There is no fourth wall with MOA. I have living clients right now. Um, right now, Joe Marone, he's a he's a major in the US Marine Corps. He's one of he's my living client. Every month I have a different living client. There is no fourth wall in MOA. My life is complete. I completely give 100 percent of myself to this company. Every one of the clients knows my girlfriend. Uh, everyone knew clients knew my girlfriend before her. Like it's I'm full and total transparency uh, because one of the things that I think, Joe, is that this whole space, and when I, the space, I mean self-help in general and men's self-help in specifically, this whole space is filled with scam artists, people who yeah. talk about stuff and have not done the stuff. And so what I want to do from, from the gate, whether or not you buy my program, is I need you to understand that everything I say that I'm going to do and everything I've done, I do 100% of the time. That's the first thing. Even if you don't want to buy my program, know that I do not exaggerate about any of the results I have. I have clients. When I say there's 50 testimonials, go check out the 50. When I say I have a client right there who's four foot 11, who's surrounded by beautiful women all the time and throws some of the best parties in Los Angeles, go test me. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm a liar. And then go check and see whether or not it's the, it's the case. And then confront me if you have some disagreements about it. That's what I, I love facing the skeptics. I love that. Open skeptics. But if you want to say, like, the, the, my favorite one is the guys who are like, oh, yeah, Michael, you pay all those girls to be there. And I'll say this one more time. This is a standing, standing um, arrangement for the rest of my life. Every girl who, who's on my IG, I tag them. If you can get one single girl to tell you that I pay them, I'll give you $10,000. Not one single girl. And I'm talking about go back for 12 years. Not one single girl who's ever been into any of the bikini competitions. Not one single girl has been to any of the photo shoots. Not one single girl has been in any of my photos. Not one single girl has been to any of my charity events. Have we have we paid to come to any of those events? I'll pay you $10,000 if you can find one single girl who's ever said that it's happened. And strangely enough, Joe, nobody ever takes me up on that one. 
So that's the thing. Well, I want I I love I love taking on the skeptics. I love debate. That's my background in high school. I was a debate champion. I love that concept. I know other guys don't like to do that. Other guys don't like to muddy themselves in debate. I love debate. So this is one of these things where I want you to bring your skepticism. Don't believe a fucking word I'm saying. Dude, he's just the next scam. And Michael Sartain is just the next scam artist. But stand by. Don't be a bitch. Stand by your words. Go on MOA mentoring and then go through the testimonials and then, and then see what you believe. And then here's the other thing. Joe, your life is going to change in the next 60 days. I'm telling you it will. In the next 60 days, ask Joe what he thinks. Ask sure. Joe what he thinks, okay? And then just like get a, get a realistic assessment from what Joe, what Joe thinks. Because I know for a fact there's no question whatsoever. If he's willing to put in the work, it's going to change his life. Uh, so hang out for one second afterwards. I wanted to thank everyone.